Hello and welcome to today's podcast. We're going to discuss some of the benefits lithium-ion batteries are bringing to lift truck fleet operations. My name is Michael Levins, and I'm Group Editorial Director for Peerless Media Supply Chain Group, which of course includes Modern Materials Handling Magazine. And today I'm joined by Robin Schneider, PhD, and Robin is Director of Marketing at Green Cubes Technology, and that's a developer and manufacturer of complete portfolio of modern electrification power solutions, including the lithium ion batteries and the chargers used for those batteries. Now, as we've been covering extensively in the pages of modern materials handling over the past couple of years, when it comes to the electric lift truck, one of the hottest trends is the rapid growth of lift trucks powered by lithium ion batteries. Now, only do analysts predict strong growth for lithium ion powered units. Lift truck OEMs are coming up with more models designed to take advantage of lithium ion characteristics, such as a long runtime and fast charging that makes lithium ion well suited to opportunity charging. Now, indeed, material handling industry leaders are now laser focused on improving efficiency, throughput, and workplace safety. And lithium-ion appears to be uniquely positioned to play that role. And today, Robin is going to share how that's unfolding in the market. Now, Robin has more than 15 years of experience in the marketing of batteries and power technology. She holds a PhD in material science from the University of Texas, where she studied with John Goodenough. Now, John, who he earned a Nobel Prize for his uh, role in the invention of the lithium-ion battery. Now, Robin, we have a lot to, to chat about here, and we have some great stuff to cover. Now, Robin, I, I remiss you when we set things up. Now, the last two years have been just a crazy ride, right, as we were just discussing before we started recording. Now, how would you define the environment this, or this new reality that's now facing warehouse and DC operations overall? What, what are you seeing from your 30,000 foot view? Thanks, Michael. That's a great introduction. Um, and we are at an amazing intersection of technology advancement, cultural shifts and people's habits and government regulations that are all driving a change in this industry. First, there's the demand and throughput from things like e-commerce and people's shopping habits, um, including especially the rise in popularity of um, meal and food delivery services Mm -hmm. from companies like HelloFresh. Then there's the environmental regulations like those enacted by um, the California Air Resources Board Mm -hmm. or CARB, which you may have heard of. Um, It's been in the news recently that they're... is the elimination of sales of internal combustion engine cars by 2035. Um, And there are similar initiatives for zero emission forklifts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And finally, we have all of the innovations by electric vehicle manufacturers Mm -hmm. that map to similar power systems for um, the material handling equipment. um, And our industry can take advantage of all of these. And that's, I think, what we should talk about today. Yeah, a- absolutely. No, let's let's shift that folks a little bit now. You know, considering that environment, Robin, that you just kind of laid out for us. You know, how must fleet how must fleet managers now sort of adjust their lift truck and AGV and vehicle fleet management? You know, due to this new reality, how they're going to have to shift uh, the way they're managing. Yeah, so the traditional solutions all um, pose issues. So internal combustion engines are problematic because of emissions. Mm -hmm. Um, And even if you consider cleaner burning propane fuel, it still has the potential to emit dangerous gas if there's incomplete combustion. 
Um, and propane used indoors um, can still be problematic because um, if there's insufficient ventilation, the gases can, you know, potentially even suffocate people. Right, right. Um, even though they're not poisonous. Yeah. So, and then there's lead acid batteries. Um, and obviously lead is um, not a safe material. Um, and it's generally restricted and only allowed because there hasn't been a viable alternative to date. Mm -hmm. um, it is highly restricted and requires government reporting that's kind of onerous. Um, there's also the potential for lead acid spills during watering, yeah. exposure to dangerous gases, the need for ventilation and other safety infrastructure like mm -hmm. eyewash stations. Right. Um, and then the only other alternative that's coming down the road are fuel cells, um, and they're promising, but the infrastructure is really immature. Yeah. And so we don't really expect um, that technology to be mature enough for another five or 10 years. So lithium ion is really the only solution that's available now and yeah. can address um, all of these issues that the fleet managers face in the modern warehouse right. today. Gotcha. Yeah. So you, you define some of those, you know, some of those realities and some of those challenges, Robin. So let's, let's shift the gear a little bit here and, and, and look at lithium ion, you know, so what role does lithium ion play in helping fleet managers overcome, you know, those challenges uh, or those new realities that you just defined for us? So for injury use, lead acid batteries have been the traditional go-to solution. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to talk about what problems they have. So right. in addition to the safety and environmental issues that I touched on, yeah. lead acid batteries, um, ideally you would have an eight hour runtime, an eight hour equilibration time and mm -hmm. eight hours of charge. Yep. So you need to have one battery per shift and swap the batteries in, in between. Yep. So that's a really inefficient system. Um, so many organizations have moved to what's called opportunity charging, mm -hmm. or charging the battery for 15 or 30 minutes at a time during breaks or lunch yep. or whatever. Um, this requires charging at something like a C over three rate or a three hour charge time. Mm -hmm. um, that's not really enough to charge the battery sufficiently during breaks and reduces the cycle life from five years to two or three years. So you're constantly replacing the batteries and it also avoids the manufacturer's warranty. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So can you explain maybe some of the main factors that contribute to the total cost of ownership of lithium ion batteries versus, uh, you know, lead acid batteries for lift, uh, electric lift trucks? Yeah. So in contrast to what I just explained about, um, the lead acid batteries, lithium ion batteries can truly be charged um, mm -hmm. at a 1C rate or 100% one hour. And it, may, it doesn't make any difference if you charge it always at the top, always at the bottom, in the yep. middle. Um, and so you really can charge it during breaks and lunch. And you'll still get 5,000 cycles and eight or so years of use. And there's mm -hmm. no swapping, no watering, no ventilation requirements, and no maintenance. Yeah. Um, so with that opportunity charging, you have a great um, improvement in through, throughput. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also uh, efficiency. So the batteries are 98% efficient versus 80% mm -hmm. efficient or so. So you save on utility costs. Um, and then there's the cost associated with safety. So insurance and workplace injury costs. Um, and then finally with 
the infrastructure, there's no battery rooms or safety equipment. So right. you reduce the footprint associated yep. with the battery yep. and gain, yeah, and you gain back some floor space too. Which is so critical these days, right? I mean, right. so much of our coverage too, you know, trying to get the most out of that existing space you have. Now, Robin, let's, let's talk about some of the differences between the two types of lithium ion batteries available in the material handling industry. What are those two types? So there is lithium iron phosphate or LFP chemistry or uh, nickel manganese cobalt or NMC uh, chemistry. Those are referring to um, the cathode material, which is the main determining factor in the performance of the battery. NMC is the more traditional type, um, which was developed more for consumer electronics mm -hmm. and has been adopted by the electric vehicle industry. It is small, lightweight, and has a very high energy density. Mm -hmm. um, LFP, on the other hand, doesn't have as great energy density, but it has a very, very long cycle life and um, is better, has better safety. So with something like a lift truck, you really don't need a small lightweight battery. Mm -hmm. A big heavy battery is just fine, but the cycle life is very important because the truck is, you know, being used for 10 or 15 years. Um, and then also the safety is really important when you have such a big battery. So LFP really makes a lot more sense in the, in the material handling industry. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, there's a lot of talk now, and I love it. We're refocusing back on the sustainability initiatives that were really gaining momentum, you know, obviously before the pandemic. Now, I think things are rebalancing again, and we're getting back to more of a sustainability or sustainable sort of focus in our operations. Now, Robin, are there environmental initiatives that are affecting the adoption of lithium ion batteries? Yes, there are. But, you know, somewhat like the electric vehicle industry, our industry is actually moving ahead of the regulations mm -hmm. because the demand for lithium ion lift trucks has all of these other benefits that we've talked yeah, about. Right. But as I mentioned, um, CARB is one of the major um, yep. initiatives pushing this. And they do have provisions for zero emission lift trucks, but they haven't spelled out their specific goals yet. Mm -hmm. Once they do, we can expect other states, um, specifically Washington and New York, to automatically mm -hmm. adopt the same regulations as yeah. California. And I think that um, the states that automatically adopt those regulations are pretty big. So it's about 50% of the U.S. will have mm -hmm. those same rules. Gotcha. Um, and then there's the Inflation Reduction Act, um, which we really don't know exactly how those incentives are going to play out in our industry. Mm -hmm. Um, but then finally, a lot of companies have sustainability goals and initiatives of their own, and this can help them meet those goals. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Rob, you touched on, you know, a lot of the benefits lithium ion can, can bring to an operation. Uh, can you maybe pinpoint one, maybe uh, that may be one of the biggest benefits from your perspective, and then maybe touch on, you know, some of the safety benefits. I don't think we've touched on that yet. Yeah. So the safety benefits um, are... One of the big ones that it's amazing, I've um, I've talked to a few people who are implementing lithium ion just purely because of the safety benefits. And even if they have very low usage um, uh, model in their in their workplace, because it's hard to exaggerate the workplace injuries associated with lead right. acid. Right. 
you can have crush injuries when you're changing the batteries over. People get burns. You can get eye injuries, back injuries, um, even repetitive use injuries, mm -hmm. inhalation of toxic gas over time. Um, and so I like I talked to one guy who actually said that he was just so tired of filling out OSHA reports that he right. wanted to do this looking my own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So th th those are, those are some of the benefits. Maybe a lot of folks haven't even really considered. Now uh, at this stage, I'm sure many uh, who are joining us today are wondering, you know, how do you transition out of traditional power and in, in to lithium ion and in, into lithium ion? And can you walk us through, you know, how that works? Yeah. So the first step would do to, would be to do a power study, um, which would basically determine the usage model and how, you know, make sure that you're right sizing the batteries and not paying for more than you need. Um, our lithium ion batteries are smart and equipped with um, IoT or Internet of Things technology. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and this communicates through Wi-Fi or the cellular network to show how the batteries are being used. And this can help an organization um, optimize their capital equipment. Sure. Um, and from there, we can recommend a direct drop in replacement for the lead acid battery. Mm -hmm. um, we have more than 200 models in production right now. They range in voltage from 20, small 24 volt batteries up to 96 mm -hmm. um, and from about 100 amp hours to 1000 amp hours. And they can be used in pretty much any OEM truck and with whatever weight balance is required. So they're basically, you know, customized for whatever application you have. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. That takes some of the mystery out of there. So, so Robin, we have time uh, for just one more question here, and we're going to kind of wrap it up. And you know, for fleet managers, you know, looking to make that transition, you know, what are some of the steps they they need to take to get started? What are those first steps that you would suggest uh, our listeners take? So, take a look at our website. We've got lots of information there. Um, there's white papers and data sheets for all the batteries. Um, go ahead and contact us at mm -hmm. uh, greencubes.com. We have solutions architects and regional sales managers across the U.S. who are very knowledgeable um, and can help you out. And we also have an extensive dealer network. Um, we sell through both the traditional lead acid um, dealers and also uh, the we have service through lift truck dealers as well. Mm -hmm. So gotcha. um, there should be someone near you and um, we'd be happy to help you out. Uh, outstanding. Easy as that to get engaged. Well, we're up against our clock. Robin Schneider, PhD, Director of Marketing at Green Cubes Technology. Robin, thank you so much for joining me today. Great job. I really thank appreciate you, it. Michael.